If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 139. Uh, Martin was due to be speaking this morning, um, but you can keep your tissues in your bag because he's at home not feeling very well. Um, So Lord bless Martin. Um, He's got a bit of a migraine today, so uh, we will bring him out at a later date. Dust him off, bring him out. Enjoy what he had to say. The Psalms are absolutely brilliant, aren't they? I mean, if you're ever feeling discouraged, you're feeling heavy, you're having a hard time, it's really good to crack open your Bible and to look at the book of Psalms. And we've been going through just a few different Psalms over the summer. And uh, this morning, I just got some really simple thoughts from Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. The Lord is a little bit like my wife there, that before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Can I start by encouraging you this morning and tell you that God knows you. God knows you. And when God knows about something, he knows Every single little detail. He remembers things about you. He remembers every second of your life. He knows what you're going to do. He knows you inside out. He is into the details. Some of us are excited by that. The other 99% are not sure. I have something that works against me in terms of knowing details, and it's this, it's being a man. Um, When you're a man, you're not always good at remembering things, you're not always, I mean, mean, I make broad statements this morning, I know people like Dale, you know, very different maybe to, um, you know, this, but generally, manly men, you know, they, they, um, I know Dale, I love him, he loves me too. Um, you know, proper blokes, I mean, we, we don't, we don't re- remember things very well. Um, there's, there's something that kind of works against me remembering things. It's called this, a good night's sleep. I mean, you tend to find, you know, when, when men sleep at night, it's like their hard drive gets wiped. And you wake up in the morning with a, with a fresh, clean slate. I mean, when I make coffee in the office and tea, I literally have to go around and ask people like Martin, who I've been working with for like 28 years, Martin, how many sugars do you have in your tea? Do you have it black? Do you have it white? I mean, at one point, we actually made a little sheet on the wall. Martin, black coffee. Gaz, white. No, you see, he doesn't take white coffee. Gaz likes kind of fruit tea um, and all that kind of foo-foo stuff. 
You're out of that phase. Are you out of the fruit tea phase now? Coffee now. He's apparently moved on. We had a time of ministry for him. He was delivered from the fruit tea phase. And now he's into proper drinks like coffee, okay? But, you know, being a man, I'm just not into the details. I can't, I can't remember things. Whereas, you ladies, you're fantastic at remembering stuff, aren't you? I mean, my wife, you know, will be driving along in the car, and she'll say, do you remember that conversation we had in 1997? And you were saying this, Gareth, and you did this motion with your hands, and you were wearing that green checkered top, which I didn't like very much. I mean, ladies, you are phenomenal at remembering the details of life. It's like, you know, when God made man, first of all, he put male and female into, into the man, okay, in Genesis 1. But then this thing happened that out of the man, he took a rib, okay, and he made the female. Well, there was a lot of stuff in that rib when he took it out of the man. There was beauty and there was elegance and there was mystery and there was wonder. And there was remembering stuff as well. Because men are useless at details, apart from Dale. Anyway, God, he's going to get me later, God is into details. He's into the details in your life. He knows everything about you. Does that encourage you this morning that the God who made everything, he knows about little old me. Everything about me. It's not just a, a, a knowledge, but it's an interest. God is interested in you. He's been interested you, in, in you this week when you've been facing some stuff, going through some difficulties. Maybe you've had a rough week. God has been interested in you. He knows when you sit, when you rise. He knows your words. He discerns all your ways. He hems you in from behind and before. You see, I've got a little object lesson this morning. When we tend to think of our lives... This is your life, okay? If I can get it out. Okay. This is your life, okay? It represents the beginning to the end of your life. Now, God takes your life and he he holds it in his hand. And the amazing thing is that what the psalmist is telling us here is that God can almost take your life, life And he can look at it from any end. He he can see the end. This was the beginning, but now it's the end. He can see the end right here. He can go to the beginning. He can look at every single day, every single minute, every single second of your life. You see, we tend to think of life like this. I knew this was a bad idea, but we'll just carry on. Okay. We tend to think when we think about our lives, we tend to think about this. And actually, in some ways, that's a good thing. 
I mean, the book of James, it tells us that life is like a mist. You know, it can, it can vanish. And he encourages people to say, you know, don't make too many plans and this, that, and the other. But say, if the Lord wills, then next week, next year, I will be doing this. But there's a sense, you know, this week, what have you really been focusing on? It's a very thin sliver of your life. And sometimes when you only hold and when you only know a thin sliver of your life, it has some drawbacks. Because when you are looking at this bit right here in your life, you don't see the whole. So it doesn't make sense sometimes. I mean, am I just talking to myself this morning? Does sometimes life make no sense whatsoever? I'm sure as we've watched the news this week, there's been a a thing within our hearts that says, God, what, what is the point of this? I can't make sense of this. But you see, God sees the whole. In fact, he doesn't just see the whole. The psalmist here is telling us he lives in the whole. Not, not in that, that H-O, W-H-O-L-E. He lives in every single part of your life. So when you are praying for something here, when you are going through something here, God, who is the I am, he is not limited to time. He is not limited to today, August the the something, what is today? He is not limited to August the 10th. First of all, he knows what today is, which is a head start on me. But he lives in every single moment of your life. He's there already. He's there. For you guys who are single, he is there on your wedding day. How cool is that? Boosh! That was good. Um, for those who are sick right now, he is there in your healing. Now, your healing may come here, it may come here, it may come here. If it doesn't come in any of those places, it will come when Jesus comes and you will get a marvelous, amazing new body. So whatever is happening right here, remember that the God that we pray to is a God who hems you in from before and after. He lives in every single moment. And more than that, he loves to get involved. In verse 5 it says, and you lay your hand upon me. Wow. Wow. I want God to lay his hand upon me. Does anybody else want God to lay his hand upon them? I mean, my goodness. If God was to lay his hand upon me, wow. Our understanding of royalty is that you don't really touch royalty. The queen is not to be touched. Unless you're the Australian prime minister, then that's fine. Or your Michelle, you see when Michelle Obama gave the queen a big, big old hug. 
She's touching the queen. People were in outrage. You cannot touch the queen. There was a lady called um, Dr. Kate Williams, and she's a historian. And this is the way she speaks of royalty. They are treated as people set apart from the rest of us. So primarily what it's creating is distance and grandeur. You don't kiss royalty. You don't touch them. You bow over and over and over again. Well, we bow to our king. But here's the great thing. Our king lays his hand upon us. He is a God that wants to get involved. He is a God that wants to be close. He is a God that wants to be intimately involved in every single detail of your life. He's not a God who is far and distant. Even though Jesus may be high up, he is close as well. And he lays his hand upon us. Here's the great thing though. He doesn't just know us, but he pursues us. This is what it says in verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Question mark. Where can I flee from your presence? Question mark. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is a God who pursues us. In fact, it's, it's slightly strange with the Lord because it's not like he runs after us, but he knows where we're going to go and he's there before we get there. That's really cool. Oh, Lord, you're here again. Do you ever have those people you see like day after day? You don't know them. But you know, I've been told that when you live in a city, you kind of walk around your various places. There are parts of the city that you don't often go to. And I think because of that, when you're walking along your familiar roads, you often see the same people over and over again. No, that's just me then. Okay, so I tend to find that I see the same people walking around Southsea. Some of these people, I don't know who they are. But it's, oh, there they are again. Oh, I only saw them half an hour ago. And you see people, over, and Jesus is like that. It's like wherever you go, there he is. He's running after you, and he's before you. He's interested in you. He pursues you. Can I say this? Tens of thousands of times every day, God is thinking about you. Me? What? what? Why is my life so interesting? Well, it's not even so much that your life is that interesting. It's just God is interesting. God is amazing. And because he's amazing, he takes the time out in his day to think about you over and over and over and over again. He's a God that pursues us relentlessly. For those who are married, can you remember meeting your partner for the first time? 
Happy memories for some. For others, we can do some prayer a bit later. Um, I think I've said it before, but the first thing um, I said to my wife, I was totally overwhelmed by her beauty and her awesomeness. And I went up to her, I put my hand on her head, and I said, demons out! That was my chat-up line. Now, you're laughing, but it worked, clearly, because she's married to me. Um, wasn't my finest moment. Um, but I remember that whole sort of courtship. That's a very old-fashioned word. What do, you, what do you call it now? I'll look to somebody who's young. Paul Lavinia? No, I'll look away from them. Um, got a little, what do we call it these days? Courtship. Dating. Going out. Dating. Courting. That's what I like to call it. Sounds a bit more posh and proper. Anyway. I can remember when myself and Audrey, we were beginning to pursue each other. When I say pursue each other, it was more, more me doing the pursuing. But there we go. Um, let's not go there now. And, and I pursued Audrey because I was fascinated by this person. I can remember being at Bible college and every single day I would go to my little pigeonhole where the post was put in. And I would be excited about the possibility about the slight chance that there might be some communication from my beloved Audrey. Is that how you are with God? That God wants to talk to you? He's pursuing you? That have you been to your spiritual post box today? Your spiritual pigeonhole? Did you take some time out this morning before you did anything else? They say, God, have you got some messages for me? Because when I read Psalm 139, I understand you to be a God who is relentlessly pursuing me, knowing me, speaking to me. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. The devil could literally throw every single demon he has at your relationship with Jesus. And nothing, no principality, power, ruler, darkness, circumstance, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. So, he knows you. God is pursuing you. He also made you. For you created me, verse 13, in my inmost being. You knit me together, all those who like knitting. There it is, you like God, because he likes to knit too. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Did you wake up this morning, look in the mirror and say, God, your works are wonderful? No, okay, nobody did that. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, God put you together. He didn't throw you together. Again, if we're going back to the male-female thing, us blokes, we tend to be quite good at throwing together an outfit in the morning, don't we, fellas? Yeah, Louis. Me and you are humble, mate. The rest of the guys are not picking that up. Anyway, we weren't just just thrown together. We were put together. 
by God. I've got some amazing facts about the human body. Did you know that the human nose can remember 50,000 different types of scents? There's one smell I know really well, and that's my son's feet. Awesome. Research suggests that children tend to grow faster in spring as compared to any other time of the year. Isn't that interesting? Mummy, mummy, I've grown 10 inches in the last two weeks. It's okay, dear. It's April. It happens, right. Um, Hugging releases oxytocin. Oh, what is it? The Westerns are a hugging family because a lot of oxytocin going on there in the Westerns. And this, this, this thing, what is it, a chemical? What else would it be? I mean, you know. Hugging releases oxytocin, which helps to heal physical wounds, making someone trust you more. You know, you can see your nose all the time but somehow your brain always ignores it. Is that true or is that true? Yeah? Okay, now focus back on me. Stop looking at your nose. Concentrate this way. Pass your nose. Um, An average person has over 1,460 dreams a year, which is about four dreams every night. What four dreams did you dream last night? The human heart, last one, the human heart pumps enough blood to fill a hundred swimming pools in an average lifetime. In the same time, it will beat almost three billion times. You are amazing! Not because just you are amazing, but because God made you. And when God makes stuff, he gets an A plus, star, star, star plus, A plus, every single time. You're amazing because you are made by him. I notice here in the Psalms that God made you from the inside out. He made you from the inside out. Security, beauty, worth, value comes from the inside out. We live in a world that that tries to to do the reverse, the outside in. So you've got to paint it, you've got to comb it, you've got to get the best clothes for it, you've got to nip it and you've got to tuck it and you've got to do all these things and if you can look good then our world tells us that you'll be secure. But actually, whatever you do to your body, if there's not that sense of security and worth and value within, whatever you do, you're going to be in a difficult place. And the psalmist tells us that God, he does an inside-out work. Do you feel secure in who you are? Do you like who you are? Do you love yourself? 
love yourself. That sounds a bit arrogant, a bit proud. Well, if we are to love others as we love ourselves, then we need to love what God has made. And you are God's creation. See, some people make the mistake of, oh, I love others. I love others. But, oh, I'm not. I, I, won't, I can't love myself. Or, or the other extreme, I, I, I love myself, but I won't love other people. God says, no, we're all, we're all his creation. Hello? We're all his creation. And the sense of actually relating to each other well, it begins with actually being secure in who God has made us to be. Security doesn't come from navel-gazing. I'm not encouraging you this morning to, to just you know, walk out the door, tell the world, look at me, I'm awesome. Awesomeness coming your way, thank you very much. Get off the pavement, I am awesome, I am wonderful. I'm walking down the road, it's about me. It, the psalmist is not so much impressed with himself, he's impressed with the God who made him. That security and worth does not begin by looking at our own belly buttons. Navel gazing. You're not going to find much there. Just a little bit of fluff. Okay? That's not where this begins. It begins not by this, but it begins by lifting your head and seeing the God that made you. Now you may think, hang on, hang on. Hang on, Gareth, this sounds all a bit sort of self-help kind of stuff. Well, can I, can I quote a great Christian thinker? You've got C.S. Lewis, you've got Martin Luther, you've got Martin Mant, and you've got John Calvin, okay? Heard of John Calvin? No. Anybody heard of John Calvin? Heard of Calvinism? Comes from John Calvin. He's the dude, okay? This man is a heavyweight theologian. This is what he says. Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true, consists almost entirely of two things. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. For in the first place, no man can survey himself without forthwith, he was lived a long time ago, okay, forthwith turning his thoughts towards the God in whom he lives and moves, but it is perfectly obvious that the endowments which we possess cannot possibly be from ourselves. You know he's old because then he says, nay, nay, <laughs> that our very being is nothing else than subsistence in God alone. This is not just self-help stuff. This is what the psalmist is telling us. As you lift your eyes, you see a God and he makes great stuff and he made you and he made me. It's okay to feel good about yourself. Not because you're looking at yourself, but because you're looking at God. The final thing. God has got a plan for you. Verse 16, it says this. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days for me were written in your book. God's got a book about you. He's got a diary. He's got a journal. He notes down every single day, even before you are born. There's plans and purposes that he's got for you. And this is where I want to finish off. Skip down to verse 23. Just in case we get a, we get a little bit too big for our britches. Well, my wife's American, so that's probably an American term. Um, I probably shouldn't comment on the size of your trousers this morning. But just in case we get a little too big for our boots, this is what the psalmist says. Search me, God. Know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That yes, God has got a plan for our lives, but how many people here know we are very good at mucking up God's plans? We are very, very good at taking that book that God has ordained for us, that maps out our lives, that maps out his purposes, and ripping out stuff because we want to do our own thing. So the psalmist, he says, God, okay, you made me. There are awesome plans that you've got for me, but God, I know my heart, and I know there can be wickedness and evil there, so search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. How many people have watched the Cosby show? What's going on, people? You guys haven't lived. The Cosby show was a favorite of mine growing up. I used to love the Cosby show. There was a little scene where uh, the daughter, Vanessa, she had a bit of a rumble outside of the house. Got into a fight with a couple of her friends. Her hair came in. She's all a bit disheveled. Mum and Dad asked what's going on. I got into a fight outside with a couple of, couple of the girls from school. Really? What was the fight over? Well, they called me a name. Oh no, what did they, what did they call you? They called me rich. <laughs> and mum and dad started to sort of smile. Oh, you know, of all the terrible things to be called, they, they called you rich. And she's like, mum and dad, well, we don't have to be rich, do we? Can't we just be poor? And the dad, Cliff, looks at Vanessa and says this, let's get one thing straight. Your mum and I, we are rich. You have nothing. That's just a little picture of this whole relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is rich. He is amazing. He is wonderful. And if we haven't got that connection, if we haven't got that understanding in our lives with, with who God is and where we come from, often we're talking about where we're going, what our vision is, but if we don't understand where we have come from, that we come from a God who knows us, who loves us, who pursues us, who knits us together, in our mum's tongue, and has a plan for us. As we keep 
that connection, we understand that we live in a house of blessing. We live in a house of prosperity. Can I tell you what prosperity is? Because some people will tell you it's about having a nice house and a nice car and nice clothes. Can I tell you what prosperity is? Prosperity is this. It's knowing Jesus and having Jesus in our lives. If you've got Jesus, you have everything. You are rich. You may not have physical riches, but from the depths of your soul, you have something that this world cannot take away from you. 